So on this Refugee Sunday, it's interesting that we receive Psalm 33, the great psalm of community, as our reading. And it's interesting that we have this reading from the Gospel of Mark. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased. And there followed a great calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? They were overwhelmed by fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? For the word of God in scripture for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. There's a lot of ways into these miracle stories, isn't there? It's a factual story that happened a long time ago and is interesting, but kind of nothing to do with me. I'm not going sailing anyone soon. That's a way of looking at it. It's a spiritual story in which... We all go through storms in life and Jesus can be with us in that. It's a very good way of looking at it. There's also a way of looking at it as one of the great ways we look at, at stories from the past as part of mythology. Now a myth is not something that never happened. Most of the scholars will tell you a myth is something that happens over and over again and comes to us in the form of story. So a myth isn't something that is fanciful, never happened, it's just a lie, but something that happens over and over again in human life and therefore taken into a story has enormous power. A myth is, is a story that is both personal and universal. It's, a myth is a story that all of, lives, of our lives must live out at some point. It's, and myths are always stories about change of some sort or another. And this one begins that way, doesn't it? Let us go across to the other side. Let us step out into new territory. In Jesus' world, that was really new. They were going to go across to the other side of the lake to a foreign land, to a place where different kinds of people live with different cultures and different ways of doing things. And it's a dangerous place, as if you read on into chapter 5 of Mark, you'll discover. And from the other side, for the disciples, literally meant going from being ordinary fishermen to becoming these 
disciples of Jesus, the rabbi. Now that's not our story. This is the particular, the universal way of thinking about this in a mythical sense is what we often describe, thanks to the work of Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey, the idea that we must be on a journey in life. It's, uh, his, his work explored the idea of rites of passage, that rites of passage are these prominent places in the life, particularly of younger people in most cultures in the world, except we've lost this, that you go through a severe set of exercises to go from being a child to being an adult. Most um, tribal groups in the world have kinds of routines and rituals that are gone through where the old is radically cut away and the new begins. The last time this has happened in our culture in any significant way, not on purpose, was when a generation of young men and young women left to fight in the Second World War or to serve in the, in the Second World War. It was, a, it was a generational break where they had to manage life in a new way. They had to literally cross to the other side. And we can still read the stories of that generation and all of us, of course, are affected by that, either by a parent who didn't come back or by a parent who came back physically but was silent or a grandparent in the same situation. This is what Campbell calls the call to adventure, the call to cross to the other side, to step out into a new way of living life. And all communities have understood this. And the fact that we've not done that in the last generations, some people have suggested that's one of the reasons why so many people can't find a sense of meaning and purpose in in their life, that so many young people appear to still be Childlike in many of the things they're doing and haven't grasped the responsibility of being adult and, and not being given the opportunity to do that. Employment is very difficult to find and you know if you're a young person you must stay in school but schooling is only suitable for certain people in certain situations. We've made it a very difficult world to live in. But Jesus said, let's cross to the other side and leave the crowd behind leaving behind the safety of what we know and stepping into something new. Now, I'll bet if any of us were going to go into a counselling session this afternoon with a thoughtful, caring counsellor, and that person said to us, is there something new that you need to be stepping into in your life? I'll bet it wouldn't take long of all of us to find some area of life. It might be momentous. It might be leaving the family home and moving into an aged care institution. That's huge. It might be something very small that only we can know and would find really hard to even articulate, but a kind of stuck place. If our counsellor was to say to us, where in the life at the moment are you stuck? I bet it wouldn't take any of us very long to go, well, and if the counsellor was caring and open, we would be able to start in some stumbling way to articulate that. Campbell said this years ago in another book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And it's bothered me ever since. And every time I read it, I prefer to sort of push it away. He says, we must be willing to get rid of the life we planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. 
We must be willing to let, to, to get rid of the life we planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. I'm deeply disturbed by that. I don't quite understand it, but it's speaking to me every time I read it. And the first time I read it was many years ago. Very often this stumbling into a, a new crossing to the other side comes out to us out of something that goes wrong. A major disease that hits us fairly healthy. I think, I, I know I'm not going to live forever, but I can't imagine that I'm not going to. And then suddenly I'm given a diagnosis that makes that clear. Or a broken relationship. I thought this was going to go on and it stopped. For all kinds of reasons, either the person dies or we split, or whatever happens. It's not like the disciples, I think, would have meant to set out to go across the other side in the middle of the night. They didn't have floodlights. It was a dangerous uh, sea to be on at any time, but at least you can see the storms coming in the day, but at night you have no idea. Sometimes things just happen. But we have to accept the call to adventure. See, the text says, a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. The worst thing that happens can happen and will in some form or another in our lives, either cataclysmic or small. And they're, they're the things that make us stumble, that force us to rethink or to sort of grind our teeth and be angry with everyone else because somebody else has done this to me. Some other thing, the government, my mother back in those years ago, but my brother, not the, the, or that my employer. Or... And there may be truth in all of those things. But this is the situation I'm in. Here we are. This is happening. And then it says, Jesus was asleep in the stern on a cushion. It's a strange little word, set of words to use. Jesus was the centre of their lives. They had willingly chosen to follow him. They had stepped out into this adventure. He called them back in the previous chapter. And here he was present with them, but he might as well not have been. When you're asleep, you're not present. You're unconscious. You have no idea what's going on in the world. You can know that you're loved intellectually, but not experience it. You can live a life totally disconnected with the experience of love from other people or the idea that there could be a God that loves the world and you as an individual. And obviously God doesn't understand you well enough because if he did, God wouldn't love you because you know stuff about yourself that you haven't told yourself or anybody else. And how could you be lovable? And so it becomes an intellectual exercise. It's as if we kind of acknowledge that God is present in the world and present with us, but... There's no experience of it. It might as well be that God is asleep. There's this curious phrase at the beginning of this verse, where, of this chapter, where Jesus says, where the Mark says, um, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. I'm wondering if, what if they took Jesus with them in their little box of understanding? Jesus was a rabbi, he was a teacher, he was a religious man, and they were going to be good religious students and they would follow him. They understood that, that was fine, and that was where Jesus belonged. In fact, they even got him on a pillow, on display, in the back of the boat. Perfect. But then life turns out not to be perfect. It's a massive storm. Their lives are in peril. And the little Jesus in a box 
the presentation of Jesus as this sort of nice religious figure who cares for people. There's no help at all. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Like, how come this is all happening to us? We thought we understood. We had a deal. We said we would follow you and you would care for us. But that's not what's happening. It's a terrible moment. Well, the miracle story is that Jesus wakes up and he rebukes the wind. Peace be still. Then the wind ceased and there followed a great calm. Even in blaming everyone else for the problem, even in the middle of the storm, is it possible that there's calm? Is it possible that you can live in the midst of uncertainty with a sense of peace and calm? Yeah, some days. Sometimes. Half the day. A quarter of the day if you've had a decent cup of coffee. You know, it's not easy. But we get glimpses of it, don't we? Even even in the middle of distress, is it possible to experience great calm? Is it possible that a deep experience of our connection with the universe, of our connection with what we call God, the power and the energy that makes the world the way it is, is it possible that that might wake up within us? And in that waking up, bring us into a moment of calm. Now, I have no idea. And I should have warned you at the beginning of this sermon, this is going to get really messy in the next couple of seconds as I get towards the end, because I don't really know how to finish this. Because that's the problem with myths, is they can go in lots of different directions. They can invite you into lots of different ways of thinking about it. But we are, whether we like it or not, on a hero's journey. And Campbell was very clear to call you and I the heroes, even though I don't feel at all heroic any day of the week. I can't remember the last time I felt ready and strong enough to face the world as it really is. I, I, I face it limping all the time. Most of us do. We're in unknown territory and storms come out of nowhere, as we're often told, happened on the Sea of Galilee. And great calm might be possible in moments, but it doesn't come very often. But it can, but then there's all more bad news. Because they were overwhelmed with fear. Jesus does this great thing. Calm, God, if you like, wakes up within us. Calm comes. There's still great fear. Why are you afraid? Why do you still have no faith? Why is the truth of your connection with everyone else in the world and your connection with the essence of the universe, why is that enough not to quieten you down and make you still? But see, if Jesus is sitting on a cushion as the religious leader, that's never going to be enough. He's got to be deeply connected with the whole of life. And as I was saying in the, in the Clayton this week, the idea of Jesus, the way he speaks to the storm, is the way St. Francis spoke to the animals, a sense of not that is other, but that is all of us and we can speak into it. If the presence of God is in us and around us and in you, where does the fear come from? But they had no idea what was going on. Who is this? 
And that's where I'm at, at the end of the myth. I have no idea what I'm talking about. That seems pretty obvious to you most Sundays, I should imagine. But I have no idea what... I, I use words like God and the energy and uh, experience of the universe and I babble on about the... I have no idea what I'm talking about. I have only the merest glimpse of what it could possibly look like to live in great calm. And so I'm constantly asking, who is this? What the heck is going on? But if it's not coming out of that, the goodness and godness of God, to use terrible language, the oneness of the universe, my, my, my deep connection with all of you and even with the stuff that we're sitting on, the bits of trees, the world as it truly is, then I'll never grow. I'll never open up. I will never allow the Jesus of history sitting on a cushion to become deeply a part of me even if I'm not even sure whether I want to use that particular language those of us who've been unsure for a long time what a connection to God might look like, if I can be open to that who knows maybe that's when we can experience great calm anyway I better stop because I told you it would get messy and there's really no end to this so we'll just stop thanks Neil